Well, good morning, 1115. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here today as we're continuing this series called Sweet Dreams. Let me just kind of say this. Uh, how many of you guys were able to make it out Friday night, night of worship? Quite a few of you. Okay. All right. For those of y'all that missed it, sorry. Um, it, was, it was amazing. It, and so we do, we do it quarterly. So maybe next time you'll get to come out and hang out. It's just a night where we get to worship God with everything we've got, kind of like today, but on uh, steroids. And so it's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, today we're in this series called Sweet Dreams, and we've been talking about our fears and, and how do we overcome our fears and what are the fears that we're dealing with in life. Because there are some things that keep us up at night. There are some things that keep us stressed out, that keep us in this state of panic. And, and so the question has been, is, is what is that fear? What is the thing that is immobilizing you in life? What is the thing that's robbing you of your joy, that's robbing you of your rest, that's keeping you from fulfilling the potential that God has put within your life? What are those things? And the reason why we're talking about this is because we knew just by some things that Jesus did that, that fear was going to be a really, really important aspect of us to learn how to deal with that. You know, that it says that Jesus talked about one subject in particular more than any other subject, and it's this idea of fear. In fact, he said 15 times in the four Gospels this phrase, do not be afraid, or don't be afraid, or don't be discouraged. Like, not don't be discouraged. He said, it was always like, don't fear. He was trying to get his disciples to realize and his followers to realize and the crowds around him to realize that, that fear is one of the most polarizing things in our life. And the thing about fear, what it does is it cripples us from the potential that we have because it keeps us from moving in the direction that God wants us to move. Now, the goal of this series that we've been in, and this is the third week, is not that you'll have a fearless life, not that uh, God will somehow miraculously eradicate or, or make fear disappear from your life. And, and we've said this throughout the series, is the focus of the series is not on how do I fear less, the focus of the series has been on how do I trust God more? Because we don't really have a fear problem, what we have in our life is a faith problem. We have a trust problem. And so we're trying to build our relationship with God and build our trust so that we can say to God, you know what, no matter what you say, where you ask me to go, what you ask me to do, God, I am completely and fully all in. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter 14. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. You can look on your iPhone or whatever mobile device, or you can look inside your worship guide. If you don't have a Bible, all the notes are in there, or just pay attention to the screen. We're going to be talking about a story that's very, very familiar to people uh, out of Matthew chapter 14. Let me kind of just give you some context of what is taking place as this story uh, unfolds before us. So what's happening is Jesus has been, has been teaching for a year or two at this point, and uh, there's been amazing things that have been happening around Jesus. I mean, miracles have been transpiring all around him. Uh, dead people are being raised to life. Blind people are seeing. Deaf people are hearing. I mean, just miracle after miracle after miracle. Incredible, incredible things. And then Jesus is breaking off some of the most ridiculous teaching that anyone's ever heard. It's kind of like what I do here every weekend, you know, just breaking off ridiculous teaching. Not really. I, I, it's pretty pitiful most of the time, but that's okay. Uh, and, and so, like, people's minds are being blown by what he's saying. And, and it's just, 
Like, there is something catalytic that's happening in people. And so we, we're picking up the story, and what's happening is Jesus has been teaching all day uh, up on this mountainside. And the, the Bible actually says that there's somewhere between, there's 5,000 men, and scholars believe that that means that there's somewhere between like 18 and 22,000 people there. So what it say? 20,000 men, women, and children are in the audience. And so Jesus is blowing their minds. I mean, he's been teaching all day, and it says it's actually getting till dusk time, the time where the sun's starting to set and it's starting to become night. It's kind of that in-between time. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, listen, you need to send these people home because they're probably getting hungry. I mean, you've been teaching for hours upon hours upon hours, and, and we don't have any food. And Jesus is like, well, we need to feed them. And they're like, well, but we don't have any food. He's like, we're going to feed them anyways. What do you have? And they're like, well, we have five loaves and two fish. And he's like, I'll take it. I can use that. And so... He ends up feeding this entire crowd, blows their mind. Not only does he feed them, but there's, there's 12 basketfuls of leftovers um, at, the end of, at the end of it, just signifying the fact that, that God can not only do what's necessary, he can go above and beyond what's happening. And, and out of this, the people are starting to, to, to kind of talk amongst themselves, and they're starting to say, man, isn't this guy incredible? I mean, look at all that he's doing. We should make him the king of our community. Like, he should be the king of the Israelites. Let's start his political power right now. Let's go ahead and elect him as our king, because we don't have a king right now. We have this Roman reign that's going on, and, and this would be, this, this, like, it just makes sense. Look at all the things that he's doing. Imagine if he had all this power behind him as well, like he didn't have power at that moment. And, they're, and so this is starting to come up, and the disciples get worded this and they love this idea. I mean, they're like, this is a great idea. Like, we think it would be awesome for Jesus to be king because they're thinking, man, if Jesus is king and we're his boys, then that probably means we're going to have some seats in the cabinet. We're going to have some power. We're going to have some influence. We're going to have some authority. And so the uproar is starting. And right at the moment where you would think that if you were going to launch like a political campaign, this is the time to do it. You've just performed the greatest miracle that anybody's ever seen before. And people are on your side. They're like the chant is starting to happen. They're like, Jesus, 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 Jesus in 2 AD. You know, you know, like they're, they're figuring out the campaign right there. They're like going for it. Some of you guys, you just got that right now. It's a slow crowd today. Somebody thinks it's a little too funny. So... <laughs> But like the momentum is building right there. And that, if there was a moment to capitalize on that momentum, it's right now. And so like they're hyping it up, like they're, they're getting behind it. They're, they're out there, they're walking through the crowds and they're starting the, the fist, like they're getting it going. And she's like, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. And he just squelches the idea. He's like, we're not going to capitalize on this moment. In fact, we're going to do the exact opposite of instead of capitalizing on this moment, hey, disciples, we're going to retreat. In fact, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to get in this boat that's at the bottom of this hill, and I want you to go to the other side. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up on the mountain by myself, and I'm going to spend some time with God. And the disciples are like, but Jesus, we got, we got like Jesus in 2 AD going. Like, like we got, he's like, no, 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 you just got to trust me. And this is an act of trust and obedience for the disciples to get into the boat and start going off into the sunset. Now, these are experienced fishermen. I mean, they're used to being out on the water. They're used to spending time in boats, and they know how to weather or, or you know, navigate the seas of life. And while they're out there in the middle of the night, uh, a, a storm comes up that is 
is not normal. And the storm is so severe that the disciples who are these professional fishermen by trade, they're used to being out on the water. They're, they're freaking out. They're panicking. They think, man, we're surely going to die in this storm because of the, how bad it is. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 23. And it says this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And so it's not enough for them that they're, just, they're scared for their lives because of the storm that's brewing around them. And the waves are large and the wind is, is blowing hard. Like all those things are happening. Now they're seeing things. They're like, I see dead people. You know, they're freaking out. And, uh, and so they're thinking there's a ghost coming after them. That's like when, when, when you're in a, let me just say this. When you're in a fearful position, you get wild, irrational thoughts and fearful positions. Like, you start seeing ghosts. Okay. Uh, it says, but immediately, Jesus, Jesus said immediately to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And I think that this is interesting because um, I, I pictured Peter on, on the edge of the boat. I know that if, if I was in a storm and I thought my boat was going to sink and it was going to capsize because of the severity of that storm, like I want to be in the closest position to get out of the potential trouble. And so I don't know if that's really the logical thing. I'm not a fisherman, so I don't know. But my thought is I want to be on the edge of the boat so I can get out. Anybody else that logical to them? Fishermen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right right here. So I'm like on the edge. I think Peter's on the edge, and he sees, he hears Jesus say, hey, it's me. And he's like, really? If that's really Jesus, like, I'm going to play poker with Jesus. I'm going to be like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, like, I'll call you out. Prove that it's you. Call me out there in the water. And Jesus replies to him, come, he said, which is like Jesus saying, well, I see your bet, and I'll push all in. Come on, sucker. And so it says, then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus, which is freaking amazing. Come on, let's just all stop and marvel at that for a second. Like, have any of you guys seen anybody get out of their boat lately and walk on water? Like, none of us are really seeing a lot of people, like, on the Atlantic just walking around, just chilling out. What are you doing? I'm just taking a walk on the water. Like, nobody did it before. I don't think anybody's done it since. It's pretty amazing. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and immediately began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, and I love this, from the moment that, Jesus, that Peter starts sinking, Jesus is with them the entire time. It says they climbed in the boat, and when they did, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. They're absolutely mesmerized. They're like, man, there's something up with this dude, and there's power. He is power, and Jesus is, is something different than anything we've ever seen. I mean, they're, they're in shock and all. They thought, feeding the 20,000 people was awesome. They just saw somebody walk on water and get in their boat. Now, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, 
because I don't normally teach this way, but I just, I just felt like this week do something a little bit different. And so um, I just want to give you five observations that I see out of this story um, about water walking, about us getting out of the boat and going to places that God has called us to come to. And the first one is this, is anything God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. Anything that God is going to lead you to do, anything that God is going to lead me to do, is initially going to involve some level of fear. Because as you start thinking about this story, um, who sends the disciples off out into the water? Jesus. Who sends them off out into the water by themselves into a, a storm? Jesus. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, which is how I always picture myself in the story, I'm thinking, what's up with that? Like, he goes up the mountain, he sends us out here to die. Anybody else following me? Like, if you're sitting out there in the boat, you're, like, I'm thinking, this is crazy. And I would be saying, like, I would be saying to everybody else, like, why are we listening to this dude? I know he fed 20,000 people, but he about to kill me. And I think the reason we have those wild kind of irrational thoughts, we start questioning everything, is because we have gotten this idea that when we're obedient to God or when we step out in faith in God, that everything is just going to be great. Everything's just going to be rainbows, and everything's just going to be butterflies, and it's going to be kids uh, skipping in the front yard, and there's going to be plenty, and there's going to be no difficulties, there's going to be no hardships, and if you're obedient to Jesus, you're not going to go through storms, because Jesus would never send his followers through storms. But the reality is, is that sometimes Jesus will allow you to walk right into the middle of a storm. And the reason that Jesus does that, the reason why a loving and ever-present, always faithful God will allow you to walk into the middle of a storm is because he knows that when you're in the middle of the storm, he's going to get your full attention. That's the moment, like, you're going to be fixated. You're going to fix your eyes on Jesus because you are sinking. Now, I would love to tell you that, that as your pastor, that, uh, man, I have, I'm in complete sync with God every day. Like, I'm fully attentive to God at every step. Every time he says go, I go. Every time he says come, I come. Every, every time I hear him uh, kind of pushing me towards one way, I'm, I'm always going that way. But if I'm honest, um, my life doesn't look like that at all. I'm, Jesus is saying going left, and, and I'm heading right. And I'm walking right into the middle of a storm. And I know that when I'm in the middle of a storm, all of my attention is on God in the middle of that storm. You want to know why? Because I know that I can't survive. I can't even find my next breath without him. And when I'm in the middle of those storms, those are the places where God molds me. Those are the places where God shapes me. That's where God refines my character. That's where God does his greatest work is in the middle of those places. And, and, and I think that Jesus was looking at his disciples in this moment. And he was thinking to himself, like, these guys need to know me better. 
and the only way they're going to know me better and see things in me that they can't see right now is if they go in the middle of the storm because at that point their attention isn't going to be on how do we make this political campaign right here and make Jesus king. The, the focus is going to be on how do I see Jesus as my savior and my redeemer in everything that I need in life. And it was in that moment that the disciples got to know him a whole lot better because they were forced to lean into him in that moment. And so we got to remember that, man, anything that God leads us to is going to involve some fear in our life. The second thing is the greatest purpose of your life cannot be discovered while you're hiding. And we've talked a lot about this in this series uh, from the disciples in the upper room hiding in the comfort and confines of what they thought was their security. And we said in the first week that you can be hiding in life and surviving, but very rarely are you ever hiding and thriving in life. It's just not possible. And what God is always trying to get us to do is he's showing up in, in, in radical ways, just like he showed up in this story. He showed up in a radical way, and he's always causing us to get outside of where we're comfortable. He's always causing us to get outside of our comfort zone. And the disciples, when they were in the upper room, Jesus was telling them to go outside of the room. When he appeared to Moses, and we talked about that last week in the desert, he was getting him to go to a different place than where he currently was. When the disciples, they're all in the boat and the boat was their safety the boat was their security the boat was their comfortability on the other hand you had the waves outside you had the ocean that was all around you had the wind that was blowing hard and the storm was right there around them and if they get out of the boat they're risking everything and in fact they're risking maybe even their lives by getting out of the boat but if you don't get up out of the boat i guarantee that you'll never walk on water I guarantee that you'll never experience the fullness of what God has for you. And so my question for all of us here today is, is what is your boat? What is the place that you find your security, that you find your comfort, that you find your safety in outside of God? Because we all have that place. For some of us, especially in our culture today, for a lot of us, that's our, our money. We find our safety, we find our security in the fact that, man, I can pay for that, I can take care of these things, and so that's where we find our security. For others of us, it's a relationship. We run to a person. That's where we find our personal worth, our personal value, where we get the things we need in life. Maybe for others of us, it's a geographical location. You're like, God, I'll do whatever you want as long as you don't ever make me move to Pompano. You know, you're, you're like, man, I'll follow you anywhere except for here because it's, it's all about that geographic location. Maybe for others of you, your significance is found in your job or your career. Maybe for others of you, it's in a dream you're holding on to. And for most of us, that boat that we find our safety and our security in is not a bad thing. In fact, it's not even a sinful thing. But it's what's keeping us from taking the risk and trusting God to be vulnerable in so many ways that he wants us to be vulnerable in. Now, the question that I always ask myself, and I'm sure that you probably ask yourself this same question is, is how do I discern between the, the voice of God and getting out of the boat and my own 
rash, crazy impulses. Like, how do, how do I discern those two things? And, and I don't necessarily have an answer for that. Um, but let me give you a word of caution. The line between don't be afraid and don't be an idiot is a really thin line. There's not a ton of margin for error between those two things. And so when you feel like something like you're like, I'm not sure if that was God or bad pizza last night that's still impacting me, like you, there's some things you can do to figure that out. One of those things would be to get in God's word and see what he's already said. Because this is what I know about God, is that God's word is not changing. And if he said it before, he still means it today. And so he's going to confirm or affirm whatever is you're thinking in your life. Another thing is get some wise counsel around you. Go to some people that are further along in their spiritual journey, that are where you want to be, and go, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Would you pray and tell me what you think? That means if you have a girlfriend that's broke and you're struggling in your finances, don't go ask her what she would do. That's not a wise person. Go find the person that's living the life that you want to live that, that's not saturated with debt and ask them what, what you should do if that's the right decision or not to get out of your boat. And thirdly, I, I think a major thing is, is um, pray and seek peace. Because this is what I know about God, is wherever God is, there is always peace. And you can be afraid and have peace at the same time. And so I would encourage you to, to go after that with all that you have. And, and I'll just give you, for my life, when I am 100% sure that God is speaking to me, when I say, man, I'm 100% sure God, man, like I know this is what I'm supposed to do. What that means is that I'm 80% that God said that, and I'm 20% TJ, you might be smoking crack right now, okay? Like that's my percentages. Like, because you don't ever really know. Fully and completely, unless God shows up with a hand on the wall. And if he does that, like, I would just do that then. Just word of advice. Just, like, he shows up and writes on the wall, or you hear it in an audible voice, just go with that. Third observation. Fear will never go away. It's really encouraging, isn't it? Fear is never going to leave you. There used to be this uh, popular Christian bumper sticker that was on people's cars, and, and it, it said this, no God, no fear. No God, K-N-O-W, like knowledge of God, knowing God, having a relationship with God, equals no fear, N-O-F-E-A-R. I spelled that right. Okay, good. Okay, no God, no fear. Uh, two things about that bumper sticker. Number one, can we stop making cheesy Christian bumper stickers? Number one, uh, we don't need any other reason for people to think we're stupid, okay? Number two, that bumper sticker is 100% fundamentally wrong. It's not even true. I'll explain it to you. I was in Africa. I was getting ready to jump off the Zambezi Bridge, which is, is probably not a good idea in and of itself. And so um, uh, I'm about to bungee jump off the second largest bungee jump in the entire world. I watched them shove a girl off this bungee jump that got scared they didn't want to jump, but she was already hooked up, so she was going. And so I'm sitting there on this bench, and, and you move down in this line of people. Well, before you get near the end, on the ground there is this no fear 
no God sticker. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm really afraid right now, and I'm pretty sure I'm a Christian. But maybe I should be questioning my salvation because I'm terrified at the moment. I just saw them shove this girl off. It's just not true. Just because you fear doesn't mean that you don't know Jesus. The reality is, is if you're going to follow Jesus, you are going to experience fear. In fact, I would say you're going to become quite friendly with fear. Because here's the truth about water walking in life. Your fear will never go away. If you're going to be stepping out of your boat following Jesus, your fear will never go away. Because every time you want to grow, every time you want to step into a new season of life, every time you want to step into some, something greater for your life, you know what it is going to require? It's going to require you overcoming some challenges, and the majority of those challenges are your fears. And the only way that you're going to avoid fear in your life is if you avoid growth, which is in essence saying like, hey, I just want to live a mediocre life. And if you are okay with a mediocre life and that's a cool life for you and you're okay with not growing, then you could probably spend most of your life trying to avoid every time fear rears its ugly head. You can just run the other way. But I put it on your outline. Fear and growth, they are a package deal. If you're going to grow you're going to face fear. If you're going to walk on water, you're going to face some of your fears because you're going to have to move beyond your comforts out into the unknown. And you've got to embrace that fear and move forward. Fourth observation here is there are things worse than failure. There are some things in life that are worse than failure. There really are. Now, I'm not necessarily old, but I feel like I'm getting really, really old. Every day I'm waking up with more and more hurts and pains and, and things that I didn't know you should deal with in your mid-30s. I thought they were reserved for later things in life. Like, I pulled out an ear hair the other day, like one of those hair. Like, I was like, where did that come from? Like, I'm becoming my grandfather. And uh, I know you, that's TMI, but I just, like, it was blowing my mind. Um, but earlier in my life, early on, especially in my 20s, early 30s, um, I was so terrified of failing. Particularly because I thought that success meant that you just never failed. Like I equated like, if I'm successful, then I never have failure. Because that's what success is. It's not failing, right? Like that, that makes sense in my mind. But the older I've got, the more comfortable I've become with failure because I realize that failure isn't a bad thing. In fact, my greatest learnings in life have come out of my greatest failures. My greatest character development has come out of uh, my biggest shortcomings that, that have been on display for all to see. My greatest growth in development relationally physically has all come from where I've failed. Every time I go to the gym and I fail, it is my greatest growth period for muscle. And what happens is we look at a story like this 
And we tend to focus on the failure of Peter, don't we? We tend to focus on it and say, listen, when you take your eyes off Jesus, which, which, is, a, which is true, and you look at the storms that are around you, you will sink in life. And that tends to be the focus, and that is a truth out of this story. There's no doubt about it. That is 100% a truth in this story, because did Peter fail? Yeah, I mean, he did fail in, in one sense of of this story. I mean, you look at it, his faith wasn't as strong as it needed to be. His doubts kind of overwhelmed his faith in the moment. He took his eyes off of where they should be, and he began to sink. And so in a roundabout way, yeah, I would say he failed. But when I look at this story, I see 11 greater failures sitting in the boat. And they failed quietly, and they failed privately, and their failure went unnoticed, it went unobserved, it went uncriticized, where Peter's failure was very humiliating because it was public. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced some public humiliation in the midst of failure, and it's not always the easiest. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to swallow. But we've been asking, you know, like, what keeps you up at night? Like, what is the thing that's whole, what, that, that stresses you out, that leaves you wandering, wondering in your mind? And when, when I really look at my life, mine is always wondering what might have been. What might have God accomplished if I'd only trusted him in that moment to do what he asked me to do? Because I'm like the 11 disciples. I like the boat. I like comfort. I like security. More than that, I like to win. Anybody else like to win in life? No, somebody's like, no, I like to be a loser. Yeah, but let me raise my hand for that. No, of course, we all want to win. Why? Because winning gets celebrated. And for me, I don't really fear failure. What I fear is other people seeing me fail. Like, I, if nobody sees me fail behind closed doors, it doesn't matter. Like, I just, I just brush it off. But when I fail in public, it's totally different. And the sad truth about that is, is that a lot of times I care more about pleasing people than I do living the God adventure story that he's trying to write with my life. It's what paralyzes me. It's what keeps me from God's very best. And I don't really know what paralyzed the 11 in the boat. Maybe it was is the fear of the storm. Maybe it was the fear of failing if they walked out on water. I don't know, but as I read this text, I think maybe something that caused them to fail was just this idea of fatigue. 
One of the things that I found that it will keep me from taking the right risks is just physical and emotional exhaustion. Like, I don't make very good, wise decisions when I'm tired. I, I found this to be true at home, um, especially if you're married. Men, maybe you've experienced this. I'll like, come home, and I'll, I'll see Shayla, and I'll be like, hey, how's it going? And she'll start crying. And then 15 minutes later, she'll start being angry. And I'm asking myself, like, why do I even care? You know, like, why did I ask that question? Like, all I did is open up this bag of worms that, like, I, yeah, I'm like, I, I'm in this moment, and we'll spend the next two hours trying to figure it out, only to realize that she's going through all those emotions because she's just worn out. Because the storms always seem bigger. The waves always seem greater. The wind's always blowing hot, harder when you're tired. I love what Vince Lombardi says. He says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Think about the disciples here. They, they spent all day watching Jesus teach. Then they set up the world's biggest buffet. Did all that. Then they got in a boat and they've been rowing. Since, since dusk, they've been rowing across the lake they're in the middle of a storm, and they think they see a ghost. Like, of course, they're going to be they're going to be a little cray cray in that moment. They're probably not going to take the risk in that moment. You want to know why? Because God says God wants His loved ones to get their rest in Psalms one twenty seven two. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you and I can do is to go take a nap. To get some rest. We're a church that believes in taking naps. So you've been looking for a reason to nap. Here's your reason. Not during this service. You can nap in about 15 minutes when the dolphins start playing. They don't put you to sleep, I guarantee it. Nothing like taking a jab at the dolphins when they're down, huh? Uh, I don't know about you, but things always look a lot better when I've gotten a good night's rest. Like what seems insurmountable at midnight at, at about 10 a.m. the next morning seems pretty good. And so one of the greatest things you and I can do for our courage today is just get some rest. Now let's kind of, sorry, that was a little divergent there. Uh, let's go back to the story. See, the 11 that stayed in the boat, they understood the cost of getting out of, out of the boat. They understood the cost of the public humiliation. They understood the cost of the failure and the embarrassment and the inadequacy. They got that. What they didn't understand and what they didn't get was the cost of staying in the boat. They didn't get that part 
of the cost. They only counted the cost on one side of it. They, they totally missed the other side because here's what I know. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I know from my life, every time that I've had this God-ordained kind of idea or thought come in, in my mind, and it seems absolutely impossible in my skills, my abilities, in, in everything that I have within me, and I step out of the boat into that thing, is when God shows up in the most miraculous ways, and it absolutely changes my life. And what they forgot to count was what that would do for their life, except for Peter. Peter got this. He understood that stepping out of the boat, he counted the cost of staying in the boat, and then he counted the cost of getting out of the boat. And he said, man, I would rather get out of the boat because when he got out of the boat, you know what he got the thrill of knowing? He got the thrill of knowing what it's like to walk on water. And I guarantee his life was never the same from that day because he knew God could come through in ways that the other 11 had no idea that God could come through in because they were never willing to experience it. And once he experienced it, man, his life was changed forevermore because he knew I can do things I'm not capable of doing when it's within God's idea for me. Second thing that Peter learned right there is that, man, he got to experience being lifted up by Jesus in the moment of desperate need. And I think Peter ended up knowing God in a way that the others could never know. When he was sinking in life, he had a hand reach up and just grab him. And I think in that moment, there was this connection like, man, we're, we're here, God. We're here, Jesus. And because of that connection, because of that, that moment, it's almost like that moment when you have with somebody that you can walk into a room and you hear some phrase and the two of you get it and nobody else gets it and it's like amazing because you're connected. Like they had this connection. They had this shared trust that none of the other disciples got to experience. Listen, church, the worst failure isn't to sink in the waves. The worst failure is to never get out of the boat. And the fifth observation is to truly follow Jesus, you have to renounce comfort as the ultimate value in your life. Why do you got to risk getting out of comfort, making it? risk this idea of getting outside of yourself because I think that it's one of the only true ways to truly grow is to get outside of your comfortability. I know that when you get outside of what you're comfortable with, it, it causes true faith to develop in your life. In that, you'll discover more of your gifts and your abilities and your purposes of God than you have in any other venue of your life. And those are some really, really good reasons to get out of the boat. But here's the very best reason to get out of the boat. The best reason to get out of the boat is because Jesus is out in the water. And what he has been challenging all of us with is, is you can't stay in your comfort, in your security, got to get out of the boat. And here's what he promises us in Isaiah 43. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. That's his promise. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. And I just wrote this out, and I said, the promise from God is not that you won't fear. The promise is not a life that is free from trouble and worries and challenges. The promise is that he, meaning God, will be with you in the midst of your fear. And maybe for some of you today, God is calling you to get out of your boat, to get out of your security, to get out of your comfort, to get out of your confines of where you find your sense of security. And come out on the water. And maybe for some of you, that's in some different areas of your life. Maybe for some of you, that's in your finances. You feel like God's been calling you to trust him more fully and completely. And you've, you've never tithed. And you've never said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust you first with my finances. And, and you feel like that's one thing you're supposed to do. Well, I want to I encourage you to take that step today. Don't, don't stay in your security. Step out into what he has and see what God can do. Trust him in that. And, and watch him give you the courage that you need to trust in that. For others of you, you've been, some of you have been putting off some things. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's a, a, a vocational uh, thing. Maybe you've been putting off applying for that job or going for that promotion because you're scared that you might get rejected. You're scared that somebody might see that you've applied for that that is your friend and they're applying for that job and you're just worried that if they get it, then you'll be embarrassed. And, and no, 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 today's the day that you just step out. Step out of your boat and trust God in that area. Maybe for others of you, you're sensing God is wanting you to do something. Maybe he's wanting you to get back involved in, in church, and you're thinking to yourself, but, but I got hurt before in church, man. Church people are mean. Yes, they are mean. It's terrible. They bite, and they, they, they kick you, and they do all these things, and it's, it can be really, really detrimental to your faith, and you're scared that if you, you put yourself back out there, man, somebody might hurt you, but today God is calling you to, listen, get out of your boat and, and do that, and so maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to talk to somebody with a serve shirt on today, or, or Pastor Steve over here and say, you know what, I feel like God is calling me out of the boat of this and you need to step out and do that. Maybe for others of you, it's all about a relational thing. Maybe there's a relationship that's got some strain in it right now and there's some forgiveness that needs to be forgiven that needs to be given, and you're thinking to yourself, well, if I go and forgive them, then, then I'm letting everything go, but God is saying, no, 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 you be the bigger person, you be the, the Christ follower, and go admit your wrongs. It doesn't matter how they respond. You go step out of the boat. Try to repair that relationship. Maybe for others of you, it's the fact that you need to go start a relationship, and you need to ask that person out that you're sitting next to you, that you've been stalking on Facebook. Now is the day to do that thing. Get out of your boat. Move from the confines of your security stalking into the real relationship of actually talking to a real human person. It'll blow your mind. It'll be really real. Some of you, maybe you're already out of your boat and you're just scared to death. And today is meant to be a day to encourage you to know that you are not out there alone, that Jesus is right there with you. Because listen, if you get out of your boat and if you go, you will face some problems. You're going to encounter some storms you're going to encounter some wind. And listen, your faith probably won't always be perfect in those moments. 
and you might even sink in those moments. But here's what I can guarantee, number one, that Jesus will always pick you up because he's right there with you just waiting. But even better than that, every once in a while when you step out of your boat, you might just walk on water. And that experience, that encounter with God will radically transform your life. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that you are a God that is constantly calling your sons and daughters to a greater level of trust, that you're always asking us to step out of the confines of our comfort and our security, and, and I know that that can be scary for us. But I love the fact that in Hebrews 13, 5, you say, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And, and I think the thing that God wants you to know right now that whatever your boat is, whatever it is you're about to step out into, whatever impossibility you're about to dive headfirst into, that God is right there with you. That He is there in that moment and there is nothing that can separate you from His love, from His care, from His protection. There's not a loss, there's not a failure, there's not a rejection, there's nothing that has the power to separate you from the love of God. And when you start to realize that love, you'll realize that that love right there, it actually says it casts out fear. Because you're not living in the imagination of tomorrow any longer. You're living in the presence of a holy God who is all-encompassing, all-powerful, all-knowing, and in complete and total control. And maybe there's some of you here today that you've been trying to keep control and you've been trying to navigate your boat and it hasn't gone real well. And today's the day that you need to give God that control. Maybe today's the day that you need to step out of your boat. Find your security, find your comfort, find your worth, find your value in Jesus. And it's really simple. It starts with prayer. It starts with you saying, God, I need you. I've trusted in myself and try to navigate this life. And I'm in some storms. And God, you love me so much that you are willing to send your son to die on a cross 2,000 years ago to take care of the mess that I've made of this shit that I call my life. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart to know you, God. 
thank you that you want to know me because this isn't about rules or religion. This is about a relationship with a living God. God, and I just pray that as we get to know you, that we would trust you even more and we would experience everything that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name.